Hi humans, I'm Hodos from Canabetic Podcast, and today we sit down with my friend Eli, who's a UX designer from Chicago and a founder of a cannabis startup called Went for Weed. It's going to be a dynamic conversation we bounce in between, uh, but most importantly, we talk how important design is for the cannabis industry. So hopefully you guys learned something and enjoy. All right, cool. We're recording. Uh, Eli, I always say there's no introductions on this podcast. We just go right into it. Feel homey. Uh, we have a dynamic conversation and uh, it's actually a funny story how we met. Was, uh, do you remember? We just like randomly on uh, both, we both were in a UI group, right? On Slack? Uh, yeah, Memorizely as like a UX community. And the, the and crazy thing is when you messaged me, uh, you're like, hey, are you in cannabis? Not a, All right, so this is the craziest part. Both of us are UX designers and both of us are in cannabis space. And we just happened, both, and both of us were from Chicago. At, well, I was there at that point. And it just happened to be that community, like a small world, how we just connected. We were like, oh, shit, he's in cannabis and a UX designer in Chicago? Like, that's a small world. Yeah. Well, first I was like, is anybody in Chicago here? Like I want to network with Chicago people. And then I think the cannabis thing came after a few other connections like basketball and more pedestrian things that aren't as stigmatized. <laughs> and then we have a lot in common too. Um, remember originally we talked about uh, working at Best Buy? Yeah. What was, uh, what was your experience at Best Buy? When did you work there? Um, 2006 to 2010, I started at a store in Atlanta, and then when I transferred colleges up here in Chicago, um, I worked at two stores and Grand opened a store. It was it was great. It was a great support system, and then I kind of outgrew the place because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in management, and I was about to graduate school. Um, but it was a great company. I learned a lot, and I still utilize a lot of the skills, sales, and just overall general knowledge about consumer technology and even businesses so, yeah it was overall great what about you um speaking of best buy yeah i i hated working there just because of the managers and just you know like the whole micromanaging stuff maybe the style but <laughs> now that i look back you know now that i look back at it from a different lens, uh, it was a really great job. Besides the discounts, uh, it was amazing getting, you know, getting the first dibs on tech and, you know, I was a geek back then too, so it's nice having the first dibs. But now that I look back at the system that they had when it came to sales, and I remember um, their sales software, or not software, their sales e-learning changed when I started in 2011, right after I graduated high school. And their sales system was very sophisticated because they focused on like behavioral, uh, aspects of human like they had this um, 180 walk around like not just going directly to the customer when he walks into your um, department so doing like a 180 and then having questions like open-ended questions instead of like what's what brings in that's a common thing we hear so that was very mm-hmm. interesting now looking back at it and I like even though they took a big hit obviously through the market crash and all that stuff in the recession and then recently through Amazon in the last few years uh, I think they've been like pretty good lately because I've been watching their LinkedIn stories and they're pretty trying to keep up with the, I guess the new, uh, new economy models and the whole shipment stuff. And, uh, their stores are a lot better than they were before. I think there was just too much stuff. Now it's like a more open space, uh, lower, um, what is it called? Lower product uh, shelves too. We used to have, you remember the high ones used to be like six foot. Now they're very like product on product. 
yeah and it was like and now it's like very flat almost like an apple so it's it's, it's still pretty cool um there's a, there's a lot of things that i learned and i think even though i hate it when you were young i think everybody hates sales when they're young but you see the value at it now and i believe somebody said it too if the world just completely collapsed uh the best position would be sales because you could sell anything and people would want uh, other people to sell things for them yeah intangible skill right and the services that we provide obviously with the ux design um how did you or how are you doing during these times has your work picked up uh yeah i think i just had some momentum in general for my freelancing career going into this um and as we were discussing before we started i'm just thankful to have this skill set of providing digital solutions um, through design and various other mediums. Um, so yeah, things are busy. Uh, most recently, I just started working with people um, selling masks. They needed uh, like a PSA video, so I edited and chopped that up. Um, took some photos and whatnot. Um, but yeah, works great. Since we're talking about cannabis and this, this is more cannabis podcast, but I think I'm expanding more into just how to serve the cannabis community through different mediums, so, such as bringing in designers and uh, people from a different industry. Cause somebody posted on LinkedIn, uh, there was a good quote, think outside the pot instead of just thinking what, what it's, what's happening inside the industry. And I was like, this is very true. If I bring in designers and other creative people, you can apply that to your business today. Um, you run a pretty cool um, startup, Win for Weed uh, in Chicago. Can you talk a little bit about what, the startup is what you guys are doing how did you get started and then we'll track back into a little bit uh back in the day when you got introduced to marijuana and all that other stuff uh, um so yeah uh last fall um a family friend um he's like hey can you buy this domain for me and i was like sure through some quick up um like coming soon and then um he kind of explained the idea around it um about celebrating the wins for uh, cannabis because it's going to be legalized um, January 1st here in Illinois. And um, it kind of snowballed into, or me leveraging my skill set to be able to like, oh, this is a cool design. Let me improve it. Um, and then also uh, people aren't just going to buy a design because it's cool. Yeah, they might, but people get behind stories and communities and how you can actually help them. Um, so even networking with you allowed um, us to snowball that into a podcast as well. Um, and the whole mission is to help normalize um, and decentralize Normalize is easier to destigmatize, but normalize and just have conversations about it because the more it's brought front and center, I think the more it will be accepted. Um, and then also bring out all the um, negative parts that have been associated with it and also just push for legalization nationwide and worldwide because there's such an inconsistency in how people are treated, also the dosage. Um, packaging and just across the board, we want more research to happen um, and just shed more light on the plant be, um, that people use so they can know what to expect and it's consistent across the board of how people are treated, et cetera. 
Were you involved in cannabis before? Well, besides recreationally using or maybe for medicinal purposes? Or were you no. looking from a design perspective? Were you ever, did you ever as a designer think like, hey, maybe I should get into the cannabis uh, industry, that vertical? Um, like six months prior, I met uh, a lawyer that was working for a local cannabis company. Actually, I don't know if they're headquartered here, but um, there, it was like a digital marketing position that didn't work out. So that was really the only interest I had. I was like, oh, that kind of aligns with my interest. I, that'd probably be a better fit than just going to work for another consulting company. Um, that didn't work out. And then three months later, this kind of presented itself. I'm like, Oh, might as well take advantage of it. Can we kind of open up a little bit? Um, you said building a story. Uh, it's interesting in the beginning, you said not only selling the product and not only selling the design, uh, people like to hear stories um, around the product. And I always say it's, the product is just a front facing thing at the end, but before you build layers of stories and a whole bunch of different aspects and touch points with the users, uh, what is a story for you and how, how do you see that branding? How do you describe branding and what is a story for you? What was the last part? What is a story for you? Yeah. Like what does that mean for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, the research that I've done in, most people can connect these dots that stories are what connects us as humans, um, whether it be passed down through history books or fiction, nonfiction, um, it helps us make sense of the world. Um, so that's to me the importance of story. And what was the other question? Uh, what, I, I guess I was going to ask you, what does branding mean for you? But from your perspective, what is branding for you? Your own definition of branding? Um, branding from a book I read and I don't know, I guess I'll give my spin on it too. I think branding is how people talk about you when you're not in the room. Um, but there's also, I think the consistent, consistent touch points that you have with a company. Um, obviously Apple's the, uh, behemoth that it is because everything's pretty relatively consistent from the store. Every experience. Um, Apologize for my dog. <laughs> All good. Um, how did you launch uh, Win for Weed? How did that come together? Like that initial launch? Did you guys run a campaign? Did you guys have a plan of doing something big? Or just like you said, you had the coming soon page. And what happened after that? Um, so coming soon page, and then he told me about it, um, just his idea behind it. And then I was like, uh, thinking we should add more to this and just uplift cannabis culture as a whole. So we can all learn more, um, and educate ourselves because even being recreationally using it, I don't know much about it. Like you go get some and, you don't know where it's coming from, the dosage, um, what chemicals or what was used in the process of growing it. Um, and yeah, there's just so many facets to the industry and it's in its infancy. So it's very interesting. Uh, what have you learned uh, that you didn't know before about the industry stepping into this field? What did I learn? Um, just that it's so vast. We've been lucky enough to have a lot of guests ranging from lawyers to toxicologists, um, 
dispensary owners. Um, but this, we just want the science to catch up to the politics. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, it's been pushed down for such bad reasons um, and harmed so many people's lives. Um, and it's just a plant that's been around, as far as I know, way before we were even thought of. So. What are so, some of the reasons uh, that you started using cannabis recreationally or medicinally? Um, reasons, I was a young kid in Southern California and it was accessible. My friend just offered it and um, I didn't know anything about it. I just went in and um, there was nothing bad about my first experience and then I don't know, I was just around more so when I was in high school. Um, and in terms of the value that I get from it, it just allows me to kind of live in the present. Um, so that's the what I get from it, at least. I don't know if that's medicinal or not, but. Uh, did you see any, from your observations, uh, have you noticed uh, when I looked at some studies, I'm not, I'm probably going to butcher them, but I noticed that there was a study that if teenagers smoke pot, they're less likely to drink or participate mm. in that. Um, have you, have you, from my circle too, in high school, I noticed that people, the kids that smoked weed, they were just not drinking and, um, they were not your typical stoners. They're actually normal kids, but they did not partake. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was completely different. It was, uh, they, they still, um, uh, they still did their thing. Like most of the, most of the stuff that, um, you think about, sorry about that. My dog's just in the back. Uh, most of this, like most of the propaganda that spread that if you do this, then something else is going to happen. If you touch pot, then equals X. The gateway <laughs> you know? drug. Yeah. Gateway. We could, yeah. I, I even hate using that word anymore because I just want to get rid of it. Like it's not, but um, have you noticed any of those points young, growing up young? If you part, yeah, for sure. People were scared that it would lead to other things. If you start here, it's kind of mild, then you'll go into more hardcore stuff, which I think they categorize as cocaine and heroin and what else. But the sex and drug education in middle school for me worked. Um, they showed some white substance and um, talking about things where you don't know where it's coming from and what it's cut with. Um, they said it like put holes in your brain and just that image stuck with me I'm like yeah I want no parts of that but um, it's also to your point I think too um, there's just this whole association with you smoke weed you're lazy and you just eat snacks and do nothing with your life and sit on the couch and there's plenty of examples of well well done successful people that do that on a regular basis okay let's go back to design so you're a designer um i wanted to ask you a whole bunch of questions uh maybe do like a concept project a little run through of some sorts uh you focus more on ui stuff and uh you had a, an app right you were developing I don't yeah. know if you could talk about it, if there's any NDAs or anything like that, uh, if you could freely no. talk about it. This is 
it's, it's an app for everybody. Um, we're about two months away. Um, it's a location-based social media, and it's, it's meant to connect people based on their interests. Um, I think we believe that the first interest that hits home with everybody is their actual location. And from there, I think um, we want people to build up more of a sense of community through that location. Um, so yeah, I don't know what other avenues you want me to talk about regarding that, but yeah, let's obviously cannabis is moving into like technological space. And uh, the interesting thing that Jared Powell is the governor of Colorado. He mentioned that he knows that a lot of states are going to surpass uh, Colorado in terms of revenue, obviously, because just more people and bigger markets. But uh, he's pretty sure that Colorado is going to be like the tech hub for cannabis industries like Flow Hub headquarters are there, obviously, in their uh, POS system. Uh, let's go a little bit into technology. How to maybe a little bit of like micro stuff. How did you start off with the app? Um, can you talk a little bit about the user research? Because a lot of people in the cannabis industry are obviously trying to create products. And uh, in the previous podcast, uh, we ran through a user research, um, little concepts, uh, five minute workshop. But I wanted to ask you from your perspective and working on this app, how did you approach user research? How did you target the audience? How did you define the persona and if um, the things that went into it? Um. We didn't do much uh, specific outreach to specific users, but um, we just looked at the trends currently in social media and the um, kind of best practices or what people currently use and molded to that and just kind of pivot the medium or the form that people connect on and using that as location instead of uh, a wall that's arbitrary and kind of isn't directly related to the user, if that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned something really interesting that the first thing that users uh, can relate to is their own location that they're around. Was that, that, was that your assumption uh, originally or, or how did that come together that you saw that there's an opportunity there? Um, just personal experience and finding out, um, in, living in Chicago, you're always trying to, and actually I think is in mid-20s, you're always looking for the next experience that you can have. Um, and I feel like there's a gap of finding those. There's um, Facebook events, there's um, Eventbrite and things like that. And then there's the Yelps and those kind of things. So you're going to all these different avenues. Um, and I don't think they were necessarily meeting my needs. Um, so I think the idea really came from finding out what to do next um, and connecting with people. Would you say that, figure that out? Yeah. Would you say that the app was more, cause it, it sounds like you've almost like created it from for yourself or it, you've experienced the problem yourself and you, you went after the solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the hardest part about building an app? What are the struggles you're having? What have you learned so far about people, how they use, maybe even uh, specifically to the area, because there's obviously a lot of things involved, involved in design and different cultures, how you design and just environments in general. So if you could talk a little bit about uh, what the struggles are and what have you learned? Um, so I think from- Or actually let's track it back, building a digital product. 
instead of uh -huh. like just the app to be specific yeah what are the struggles um so yeah i think it's very nuanced problems building a ui um, and making it come to life and collaborating with my developer um it's very nuanced we're doing all creative design there's not much prototyping it's very agile and then um there's a lot of qa and things that you don't necessarily think about obviously there could be a more robust process but i feel like doing building that and planning more um, lends itself to a slower turnaround time. Um, so they're great problems to have. It's just like, oh, here's another problem, which kind of slows down the initial release. And then, um, so yeah, for product launch, a digital project launch, product launch, I think that's really where it's like, ah, but like I said, they're great problems. What have you learned? Because uh, obviously people are going to be using this app. And what have you learned from the people? Maybe something that you didn't know before, how they use apps or just some insights that uh, kind of made you maybe even change the direction of the app? Or was there any points of in the development or in the design process that kind of made you pivot? Um, well, I mean, first, we're trying to get an MVP to kind of prove the concept because mm -hmm. um, obviously we have a ton more ideas to uh, roll into it. Um, but proving the concept and finding our core audience, I think is our goal initially. Um, and I think this, the difficult part is finding our users and having them, you have to kind of shift their mindset and um, help them get to where they want to go by using our app. Um, and so it's, you want to foster community and hopefully that community will tell you how they want to make the product because at the end of the day, this is an idea. Um, we're hoping that people will get on it and we're designing it for everyone. So we want to develop a feedback loop in order to make it as best we can because we want to focus on one group and build it for them. And I think the rest will follow. Hopefully you guys are doing something very, very valuable to building a product, which is actually like research. And uh, like you said, you you're building for them. And the most important thing is like the feedback loop. Uh, we're both in UX design. We, I think we both participate in the UX research we've worked on. Uh, more projects that maybe are related to research, not just general scope of work that a lot of teams just get together and do a general project. Um, how important is user research? And have can you talk a lot about a little bit about from your design experience about user research and how important it is? Yeah, I think user research is valuable just so you have context of where the user is going to be using it, how they're going to be using it, what their mindset is. Um, I think it will create less friction once you actually get it in front of users. But obviously, if you have the availability and schedule and budget, obviously user tests early and often. Um, but we, yeah, in, in our instance, I think from leveraging current design patterns from other um, forums and communities and networks, uh, 
less user research is done on our side, more just observing how they currently use it. Um, nice one, Henry. <laughs> Talk about design patterns. That's actually very interesting. Um, I was just watching, I don't know what show, but it was an architect and they get inspired through different ways, like different mediums uh, and to bring everything back. Yeah, abstract? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. And you mentioned design patterns, and right away you said you're trying to get like universal design patterns from different apps that people are already using or the way they've used. Uh, can you talk about what design patterns are and uh, how important it is? Um, design patterns are just currently what are in place. Obviously, design. I don't in terms of user interface design, what you see on a web and an app. Um, some people call them principles, some call them best practices, but whatever is out in the marketplace, especially if it's a larger app um, that has a history of being around for the past 10, 15 years, they're doing something right. Um, so just taking little cues, but also putting myself in the place of the users and trying to empathize with them. Oh, this goes this way. Um, because the patterns I think just build the user's expectation um, and if you just want to avoid surprises when it comes to design I feel like because uh, regardless if you're on a web site or an app um, we only have a certain threshold of patience um, in order to solve our problem or get to where we want to go and if it's throwing pop-ups or it's broken or something like that, then we, we might dismiss it and it might get thrown under the rug or deleted or something like we're not coming back. Uh, my girlfriend says she, she, we, we choose by judgment and a lot of times she'll go to a restaurant website and if the restaurant website is confusing or something like dismissed. Like if they say people, uh, or a design that ignores people, um, people ignore them or something like that. I forget the exact wording. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining everything, yeah. Because I, I could totally see somebody going on the website right now. Um, and, I mean, you could look at the Google reviews. and say, I'm pretty sure from a personal experience, you looked at Google reviews, and it has good reviews, a lot of reviews, but it has no link, and you're like, uh, okay, I'll skip on that. Yeah, I'm trying to get it. It's like um, design that ignores people. People ignore designs that ignore them. I think it is. No, that's a, that totally makes sense. That hits the point. Yeah, because like if you didn't take the time to explain it or design it in a clear and concise way, like it's almost like you're you don't care about the user. Um, but I think it's. First impressions are everything. So especially on a website, um, I can turn people off very quickly. You guys are preparing to launch, you said, in two months, right? Hopefully, or, yeah. Or in the, yeah, in a few months if there's no hiccups. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't realize that there's a lot of hiccups that happen on the road. Um, how are you planning for the first launch? I don't know if you could share a little bit, maybe like marketing strategies, campaigns, or anything that you're kind of putting together. Uh, I'm very interested because obviously cannabis space, as I believe everybody is a startup, so everybody's looking for advice in terms of like what was the first experience with the product launch, whether it's a digital or a physical product. Yeah, um, I think just trying with any product, 
is trying to figure out what problem you can solve for other people because people only care about themselves and what your product or um, yeah, your product can do for them. Um, so I, I believe our plan is to, obviously there's some marketing to just show awareness of, and educate people. Hey, this is, we've arrived. This is what it is, but Hey, how can we make this product better for you? Um, and just starting conversations um, on the platform itself to show the value that is there. Um, but like I said, when we put it in front of users, they might see another way that it can be leveraged that we might haven't even thought of. Um, but it's a digital medium to connect people at the end of the day. So um, I think it's hard when you're creating a form or community from scratch of creating that kind of network effect. So we just want to invite as many people and I guess have valuable content. Um, Are you guys going to run? Obviously you can't run a pop-up in Chicago or maybe can you a social distancing pop-up? Oh yeah. That's another point. My, one of my other friends made, he's like, Oh, this is a great time for that. It allows people to connect from their houses. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm open for ideas, but putting out in front of people and getting feedback immediately is what we're hoping to do. We call it the network that's designed for and around you. Have you read any, have you read any books since you're building a network? I'm, I'm always fascinated. In, uh, I was in crypto and social uh, platform, Crypto Steemit, and that's where I kind of started learning and reading a little bit more books about networking effects and just people in general communities. Uh, have you took time uh, to research or even learn about that? Because that's pretty fascinating that you're building something that people are going to be using in total, like total, like a total ecosystem within and the things that happen in there. Um, it's going to affect their experience. What happens in the outside the app as well? How they're going to, you know, the post motivate the post uh, effects to that happen. So have you uh, learned a little bit about or or, or I guess um, educated yourself about like networks and communities? Um. Ironically, I just started the audiobook um, Tribes by Seth Godin. Um, Good book. Was, uh, I, I don't know because it's time-based what chapter I'm on, but um, I definitely listened to a good 30, 45 minutes, so maybe a couple chapters. But anyways, um, so just like we connect and make sense of the world through stories, I think we're, we're tribes or we're all part of tribes. It's built in our DNA. Um, whether that be religion, this we people like us do things like this. Um, and you can associate that with any belief or um, product. Um, so yeah, and he was saying like, you need a leader to be brave enough to be able to um, form that leadership and create that connection as well. Um, but yeah, that's as far as I got so far. Let's go back to uh, Win for Weed. Um, I remember uh, you guys were just, you guys were just uh, had like design merchandise online mostly. And then we did the first podcast and then you guys had some interesting uh, guests as well. I think the first one you mentioned uh, was a lawyer and then a tex, uh, textologist. What is this? Yeah. So the first episode was just my partner and I. Um, talking about our experience and kind of about the mission. Um, our second guest was an anonymous guest who had a wealth of knowledge. Third guest was um, my partner's dad who has uh, administered drug tests and sits on the board of um, 
Fire Association, I think, for the nation. Um, our fourth guest was a toxicologist, um, which kind of completely flipped my script of just like nothing is consistent in terms of cannabis right now because it's not tested or regulated. Um, and yeah, it was, it was quite eye-opening. Um, and then the, we did a 420 episode uh, just educating people on the the, um, the meaning behind 420. So that was kind of short. Um, and hopefully I'll have one out today with the lawyer. And then we have two more in the editing queue. One is a, um, a chef that infuses cannabis into her products. And then the other one is a, a local dispensary owner who's the uh, dispensary owner um, of the second dispensary in all of Illinois. Interesting. Uh, you guys, what was the original, like your first product on the store? Because you guys were originally doing uh, t-shirts, right? Yeah. T-shirts, uh, honestly, sales are slow. We're just trying to educate people through the podcast. Um, and consistency as it relates to design in terms of that design, because we're using drop shipping has been bad. So we're looking at hats next and I think locally sourcing them, but Hopefully when things open up slowly, going to um, more events and maybe running out a booth or something and just kind of getting people on board um, and doing more user testing. I think that's really what we're missing in terms of winter weed. I think we have a noble mission, but um, whether it's sticking or not, we're just looking at numbers in terms of website visitors and analytics. And, from our podcast listeners. I like, I like the idea of noble mission. Uh, where do you see win for weed going? What are your next plans um, in terms of, let's say next five year goal? And what have you learned so far? I mean, you've, you kind of guys got in there and I've, I motivated you guys to do a podcast and you guys are already like six episodes in, which is amazing. So you've guys provided, like, if you think about it from a point of view, if on average, if the podcast is, uh, 60 minutes long. It's like 400 minutes of value or hours of value already are provided for you on the digital space. Uh, what have you learned uh, working in the industry and just kind of moving forward and uh, interacting with people? How has that, has that affected you to change any, I guess, pivot the model or, or just making implementations into win for weed just by speaking to people versus, you know, when people start a product, they're just they kind of at their desk and they're like, okay, this is what it's going to be done. But until like you, uh, we know until you speak to somebody, uh, change your whole world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a passion project. Um, it's really about educating and celebrating and normalizing. So any efforts to do that, uh, I think one of the stories we want to do next is to the first point I believe we talked about is having people um, tell stories, good, bad, or indifferent about cannabis. Cause like I said, the more we talk about it, the better. And obviously with podcasts, it's a limited availability. So um, we started a puff puff pass challenge um, oh. that picked up some steam. I need to talk to my partner to figure out the legality of, if we can pull off the hashtag and just put a long video together. Um, but just taking efforts to maybe create content and have people tell their stories um, and just have more conversations 
slash stories to normalize it, whether that be the podcast or the merchandise, because I think the designs themselves are stories as well, but maybe people haven't realized they yet. So we're almost nearing an hour. Now we're going to talk about the cannabis industry from your perspective. Uh, where do you see the cannabis industry in the next five years or currently? Uh, next five years, uh, slowly but surely, each state will begin to legalize and decriminalize. Um, and then I think it's only a matter of time where it's federally legalized. Um, hopefully, it's not too much. Or the roadblock isn't huge, and that roadblock isn't for uh, large corporate industries to catch up. And because I think everybody deserves equal opportunity as it relates to this industry. Um, but I think there's a lot of learning to happen, and we just want consistency to happen across the board because there's been several different rollouts. Um, Illinois legalized it legislatively which is the first state i think um, minnesota is about to do the same thing but with different parameters um and then i think you can speak more to this about colorado i think the market is just oversaturated california has lended itself for the black market to flourish um but yeah it's, it's huge <laughs> so much to talk about um, before we get away, uh, from a design perspective, that we worked on different projects and we encountered different problems, which is amazing. Uh, can you give maybe a handful of tips, a few tips for cannabis business owners from a design perspective, anything that you see uh, popping up? Um, I think as we've been touching on, user research is huge, validating your product. Obviously, the product kind of sells itself. I'm not sure what necessarily the goals of cannabis consumers are besides medicinally recreational use, um, but maybe towards the branding perspective, having consistent touch points, whether that be email, social media, um, the contact at the experience at the store. Um, since you're more in the cannabis design space specifically, what do you, um, what do you think is important for them to focus on? Kind of the same thing. I think, um, like you said, a lot of the website experience when you go on somebody's website and like your mm -hmm. girlfriend went on the, on the website and the restaurant had either a bad website or didn't have one, you're more likely to skip on it. I, I noticed that a lot of uh, cannabis dispensaries rely specifically to dispensaries. They rely on weed maps. And, but they don't have no website, no social media presence, or they have like a few photos from like 2017 on Instagram just to have a social media link. <clears throat> I feel like there is that missing centralization point where the hub, the hub, I mean, the physical hub is the dispensary, but the digital hub, your house could be the website, not weed maps. Um, mm. But since, like you said, when you cultivate a lot of users on the app, it's pretty easy just, hey, we're just going to pay weed maps and they're going to do the rest of the thing for us. Because that's the way, like a lot of people obviously use that. But um, I noticed this, the same thing. I think the consistency and touch points and uh, doing a little bit more frameworks like empathy mapping and learning in each intersection when the user actually touches with your product, service, whatever it is, 
getting feedback from those micro experiences, like how did he feel? Uh, what's the feedback? What did he think about that? Um, and filling in those gaps. Um, I think the common thing like you said, it's like the weed maps and text, text services. And it's becoming like a normalized thing, right? Why don't, why not do something a little bit different? And I feel like if you have a website, uh, you're able to, if you have obviously the budgets with Webflow, we can do pretty much anything, but I think you can build a website that extend the experience beyond and that it cultivates, you know, loyalty, trust, you know, and the kind of like the snowball effect to uh, do that. So the missing link I think is going to be like, um, their own centralized like web web point. Yeah. Cause since we're moving into that web 3.0 and then from there on, uh, tightening up, uh, touch points, email newsletters, whether I would like to see things like, um, more podcasts from dispensaries or something, having more employees, like some of them are just cold. It's almost like a, it's becoming this thing where you, it's, we're trying to destigmatize, if you use that word, right? We're trying to tell a story and it's, it's still the same thing where at most of the dispensaries you go get weed, but you don't get, you don't go, you don't go get a supplement or a vitamin, you know, you go get weed. Uh, so I, I wish there was a shift where dispensaries felt more like vitamin shops or GNCs where you come in and there's more of that experience versus like you already know that you're going into dispensary, you're doing something in the back of your mind. You're like, Oh, I'm going to dispense and get some weed. Yeah. So have a different talk about it versus just being something that's recreational. You bring up an interesting point about the websites. Um, I'm curious what like state hurdles, cause can you, you can't just advertise cannabis on your website, right? I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, there's obviously forms that you have to and limitations like are you over 21? Yeah. All that stuff and uh, having the right, uh, obviously, content developed, writing, make sure it's legal uh, and compliance yeah. with the state. But uh, I mean, I see other, like I see websites like Green Solution, for example, they're not on Weed Maps. They're just on Weed Maps as a location, but they don't have a menu there. Or they don't have anything there. Mm. Uh, and then there's like these services like Mary Jane, uh, or whatever it is. I think it's Mary Jane or even Leafly or Leafly, however people call it. Uh, they have their own like menus. So these bigger, um, these bigger companies usually have the menu integrated cause it's just an API integrated into the website. Mm. Yeah. But, um, I don't think there is a huge point. I mean, having, a Sorry, I I know from personal experience, and actually after talking with the um, dispensary owner yeah. that uh, advertising on social media, I think the dispensary had an absurd amount of followers, and I don't know what they did, but Facebook deleted their Instagram account, um, and we can't even do Facebook ads for a shirt that has a green logo on it. We're not selling cannabis at all. Um, so I think that also plays a huge part, but also that, well, that's where I kind of want to go into, I'm, I'm already, I already tell like, don't give up on social media. Obviously there's ways around it. Uh, you don't have to show weed. Like you could be a dispensary that doesn't show weed and you could tell a different story that still connects. It's like, uh, um, the previous, uh, guest on my podcast, she mentioned something like adjacent product. So it could be just social media could be as a story for something else. Like you guys want to uh when when for weed is more like telling each win so you guys talk about what's happening with the state like i've saw the blogs and uh things that get passed on your instagram you post like here this is like the new thing that's happening in the state 
so there, I mean, I, I, I tell every, everybody in the camps, like, don't give up on social media, but you should not rely on it. Like, uh, a client I'm working on, they, he just put a huge strategy together for his YouTube and YouTube took his memberships away. His monetization was all already off already because of cannabis content, but he just started actually making like pretty good income, uh, passive income through YouTube. And he was trying to, the goal is to move full time and they just cut him off. So that's why I say, uh, don't rely on social medias and you should have a central point as your website. And like we talked about no code tools like Webflow and just the new, I guess the new trends and the new tools coming out, you can have a really um, meaningful experience that you'll remember, the user will remember and he'll actually go out of his way to click on your website. And then like you said, different touch points, right? Well, how do you get users to keep coming back on the website? Email, text messages, uh, whether it's spending a little bit of money on merch, on you know um, promotional advertisement and stuff like that uh, and tightening up. But having a centralized point that speaks with the theme of branding of your company, I think that's way more valuable than just having no website and having weed maps <laughs> used as uh, your home dashboard for everything that you have so yeah well one of the after that conversation and those issues with social media since we are creating a network um based around location like oh maybe we can talk to dispensaries and have them use our app but we're iphone only but hey that's better than nothing right <laughs> anyways we're nearing an hour um uh, what are you working on right now eli tell us where they could find you some maybe cool projects you can share about obviously the app we talked about so people are going to be curious about that yeah um so our app is called circa c-i-r-c-a um our website is under development um connect with circa.com hopefully by the time this is published i'll have it uh rounded out for you guys um my freelance business is Karimi Joint. Um, we say connecting humans with design. Um, so I build websites, photo, video, um, just all around digital problem solver. Uh, you can find me, I guess, at Karimi Joint. That's K-A-R-I-M-I-J-O-I-N-T. And then you can also throw that into your web browser, KarimiJoint.com. Um, just have my portfolio and some of the services I offer, but um yeah i think that answers your question right bam cool dude thanks for coming on man i uh, appreciate the hour uh this was valuable I, I took a whole bunch of notes too and i have a whole bunch of questions to ask uh,